Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. We had to celebrate with some internet laughing babies just to get you started. And, uh, and just, to, you know, in case you don't realize this, um, we let kind of women just kind of run this weekend. That's, that's how this whole thing works in, in the United States of America. This is all about the women this weekend. And, and really, if women ran the world, things would look a lot differently, don't you think? I mean, like, bowling would look like this. You know, car buying would be much simpler. There'd just be blue cars and red cars. Uh, Toolkits would be easier, you know, just a butter knife. That's the way it's supposed to work. There would always be lots of toilet paper. Your mouse could double uh, for makeup, you know. That, I mean, that, that would work. Uh, parking would be different. There would be women-only parking spaces. And, of course, um, that's what would happen if women ran the world. Theodore Roosevelt said the mother is the one supreme asset of national life. She's more important than the successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist. And that couldn't be more true these days. It is Mother's Day. I know it's not easy for everyone. I, I know people come into Mother's Day with a lot of different emotions, and we're going to be praying for you in whatever category you're in at the end of this service. Uh, but, but we want to talk about it. And, and it's difficult as a preacher. You've got to understand this. Because honoring your mother is like one of the commandments, right? You understand that. That's something that we're commanded to do. But as a preacher, as a preacher in a Christian church who wants to bring you the Word of God every week, it's difficult to try to find, you know, a text. I mean, it's really hard to try to find something to preach from. I mean, there's the Proverbs 31 thing, but that always makes it, you know, that's hard to live up to, ladies, isn't it? You know, it kind of makes you feel guilty. And there's Jesus' mom, you know, Mary, I preached about her last week. There's very few mom things that go on in Scripture. But one of my favorites is Timothy's mom. Um, just because, you know, I, I'm, I'm Timothy, and, and uh, I, I think it's cool to, to look at this mom. And so that's what we're going to do today. Her name was Eunice. Probably your mom wasn't named Eunice. Eunice sounds a, lot, a little more southern, doesn't it? Um, maybe down south they had more moms named Eunice. Uh, maybe you had one. My mom's name was Willa Faye, okay? Uh, she goes by Faye, but her, na- her name is really Willa Faye, and I know she's going to hate me for doing this on Mother's Day. Her mom's name was Orpha May. Anyone want to guess where they came from? Arkansas. Yeah, they did. Literally. I don't know if anybody in my bloodline is related. That would explain a lot, but I digress, okay? (laughs) Willa Faye had a son named Tim. Eunice had a son named Tim. I can see a lot of similarities in these women as I'm thinking about it. And as I'm thinking about what I could bring to you on Mother's Day, especially for you moms, I think some advice, some things that we learn about how Eunice raised Tim will translate over to how you raise your kids. Um, most moms are all the same really you can put them all into a category here's some things moms would never say here's here's one yeah how can you how on earth can you see the tv sitting so far back no mom's ever going to say that right yeah i used to skip school a lot too mom no eunice didn't say that willa faye didn't say that just leave the lights on it makes the house look more cheery Uh uh-uh let me smell that shirt yeah it's good for another week (laughs) i don't think so I'll go ahead and keep the stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed him and walk him every day. Oh, the curfew is just a gentle time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. Oh, I don't have a tissue with me. Just use your sleeve. Oh, don't bother wearing a jacket. The wind chill's bound to improve. That's not, that's not going to happen. Well, if Timmy's mom says it's okay, that's good enough for me. That's, that's not what they say, right? There's some general things that I think we can learn. Moms kind of get this. They know what they're supposed to say and not supposed to say and know what they're supposed to do and not. But there is some stuff from this, from this letter to Timothy. It's the second letter to Timothy. If you've got your Bibles, 2 Timothy is just at the beginning. I'm going to kind of camp out in there because Paul is talking about Timothy. He's talking about how his mom got him started in the face. So it's really a great 
great text for Mother's Day. Okay, Timothy is, is big in Paul's eyes. He's been like discipled by him. Paul says in Philippians, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. He has proved himself. He's talking about Timothy because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. Okay, so, so that, that's the kind of relationship. Timothy and Paul have been mentor and, and, and you know, the, the learner and the learned, and that's the way the whole thing went. And um, we get to 2 Timothy, and what you may not know is that 2 Timothy's written from a dungeon, a Roman dungeon, and Paul knows that likely he's never going to get out. So this is like a swan song. This is the goodbye letter. This is the letter in which he says, the time has come for my departure. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He's saying goodbye. And he's saying goodbye to this, uh, this student and this son, this spiritual son in the faith. And so as he starts this letter, he, he starts it like this. He says to Timothy, my dear son. Okay, I want you to understand that. Okay, We don't know much about Tim's real dad. We just know about his mom. And Paul begins this letter by saying, look, I love you and you're an awesome dude. And here's why. And it started with your mom, Eunice. Raising Tim started with mom. Verse one, chapter 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. He's going to bring up mom in the next verse. I just wanted to camp out on that for a little bit. There are five things we're going to talk about that Timothy's mom, Eunice, passed on to him and personified to him that helped him become the leader of the first church, let him become who, he, who it was that God asked him to be. The first one here I just caught is I recall your tears. And I know most of the guys listening to this don't understand this, but Timothy's mom taught him a transparent tenderness. We don't know anything about his dad, but, but, but he's recalling his tears, and I believe that that's where those things come from. And guys are going to read that, we're going to go, well, what, what, you know, what was up with Timothy? Was he a wuss? Does he need to call the ambulance? What's, why is he crying? Well, he's crying because, I mean, you've got to think about this, okay? He just said goodbye to his father in the faith. All right? He just said goodbye to the, to the guy that, that is closest to him in the entire world. Would you come up here and help me for a second? I, I, don't, I don't even know your name. What's your name? Don, come up here, Don. I gotta, okay, here's how most guys say goodbye. All right? We're, Don and I are going to demonstrate. I promise this isn't, you know, this isn't rigged. Okay, if you and I were going to say goodbye, how would we do it? Let, let me just demonstrate. We go like this, and then there's two pats. Okay? okay? You got that? Let's try that. This is, am I right, guys? This is the official, like, I'm an okay guy. I'm okay. See ya. See ya, man. Thanks. Thanks, Don. You can sit down. Do you think that's what happened? Not three pats, because you're like, oh, man, no, you know, I'm not like that. You know, I mean, you got to, only two, you do the little thing. Is that, is that how you think it went? Guys, am I right? That's the official, like, guy hug, right? Because we still got the arm in there. You know, we're not like dog cuddly. We're, that's the guy hug. In case you girls didn't know, that's how we do it in man land, okay? That's what happens. Is that what you think happened? No, I don't think so at all. I think they were blubbering over each other. They were hugging over each other. They were crying. Why? They were never going to see each other again. It wasn't one of those see you later kind of things. It was, it was deep. I would say for a guy, I'm probably as tender as anybody. I'm passionate. I can rip your head off, but I'm very tender. I love kids and babies. I know that makes me weird. You know, I, I, I mean, I really do. I know, I know when I'm up here playing with babies, you're looking at me, and the guys are like, man, that's embarrassing. You're so weird, you know. I mean, blowing raspberries. I mean, you never saw the Duke or Chuck Norris blowing raspberries to get a baby to laugh, did you? 
know, I'm Walker, Texas Ranger. I mean, that just wasn't it, okay? Because we don't get our tenderness from our male role models. I'm guessing that if your dad taught you tenderness, he loved macrame and had lots of Liberace records, okay? You got your tenderness from mom. That's where you got it from. And if you're tender at all, you got that from your mom. And I want you to understand that, okay? Guys, it's important that we're tender. I love that our new generation can be tender to our kids. Fathers, a great theologian said... Fathers, be good to your daughters, for daughters will love like you do, okay? You know what I'm saying? I I want you to do that. But here's my point. Ladies, there's a bunch of psycho scubalon going on out there that says men and women are all the same. We just have different plumbing. That's not true. You have estrogen for a reason. Use it. Yes? Guys, we're on the bad end of the estrogen enough. They ought to use it for positive. Am I right? You should be a tender mom with your kids. If Timothy was tender, I don't think he learned it from Paul. I don't think he learned it from his dad. I think he learned it from Eunice. She taught him how to have a transparent tenderness and just be able to be who he was. The second thing was an authentic spirituality. He said, I've been reminded of your sincere faith. Here's where he brings in mom. Which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Interesting little side note. I, I, I haven't had anybody challenge this yet. To my knowledge, Timothy is the only person in the Bible that's a second generation Christian. I mean, most of the people in the New Testament, think about this. If you study the Bible enough, think about it. Most of the people that we read about in the New Testament are people who came to faith, you know, then, and they started the faith in their family. Timothy is the only person I know where we hear about his mom and even his grandma and how they spoke into his faith, okay? The word sincere here is anipokritos, which means unhypocritical, okay? Uh, Hypocritical, you get that. You understand what that meaning is. What Paul says, Timothy, when I think of your faith, the faith that you got from your mom, that she got from her mom, I think of it as an unhypocritical faith. They use that word to define a lot of things. Word picture for you was that pottery makers would sometimes cover over the cracks in their pots with wax. You could do that. You could cover it over with wax and people wouldn't know the difference. And of course, until the heat came, you would think that the pot was perfect. The, the word picture for that is that without wax is sincere. Without any wax, it's, it's true. This is who I am. This is who I really am. This is who I'm really supposed to be. And where did Timothy learn that kind of a faith, that real faith? Like, this is, this is me. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Where did he learn that? He learned that from his mom. Paul says it right there, from Eunice, who learned it from her mom, Lois. I mean, how cool is that, right? A sincere faith. This is the problem with a lot of preacher's kids. I know and a lot of you know what I'm talking about. They, they, they watch their dad get up and, you know, and, and be you know, up on stage and trying to make everybody think that he's got it all figured out and he's preaching to everybody else and mom's sitting on the front row with her pretty dress and her big hair you know, and everybody's walking around thinking they got a perfect life and they make people think they got a perfect life and the kid goes home and they know the perfect life is not there. That's no way to pass on a sincere faith. The only way to pass on a sincere faith is to be honest with your children and to help them and to really do believe and take the wax off and really believe in those things and go through those times together. That's the only way that it's going to work. I'm going to show you a video. Most of you know Doreen. She is our receptionist uh, during the the week and also on the weekend a lot. Um, There are five generations of women in her family. Her grandma is still alive. Emma, her grandma, is 96 years old. Now, she wasn't feeling well when we made the video, but we've got uh, five generations of them. We've got four of them in the video. Her, gra- her mom, Colleen, and then there's Doreen and Doreen's daughter, Lisa, and Lisa's daughter, Emma, all in this video talking about passing on a real sincere faith. 
You know, when I was a little girl, my mom always told us stories, and they almost always were about Jesus. She was a great storyteller. Uh, so I grew up just always knowing him, knowing that he was there with us all the time. She taught us to treat others the way we wanted to be treated, with uh, respect and kindness. My mom taught us about Jesus because she taught us what his word teaches us, just to when things go wrong, when things are crazy around you, just to be still and know that he is God. It's a verse that she's lived by and that she has taught it to all of us too. My mom has taught me about God's love in many ways, but the one that just sticks out is just her servant's heart. She is um, willing to serve in all capacities in whatever way she can. Anybody who knows her knows that that is a very true statement. She uh, sometimes forgets about herself in the process, but she is always willing to put others first and to help whenever help is needed. My mom taught me about the Bible, about Jesus loves me. One um, scripture that my mom shared with me when I was just starting to become a Christian. I was in my early 20s and I really feel like I was starting to get it. And um, it was Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on, not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. And boy, has that scripture meant a lot to me through the years. The last 10 years I have clung tight to it and it's been written on my heart and really has helped me um, through a lot in my life. Well, my mom always taught us that in Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord expect of you is the question. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with my God. One of my favorite Bible verses is Jeremiah 29:11, where he talks about how he has great plans for us and not to harm us, but to prosper us. But I really enjoy the verses immediately following where he tells us that if we pray to him, he will listen, and if we seek him, we will find him. I know what a lot of you are thinking is, wow, that would have been cool. I would have loved to have had a grandma or a mom or whatever. I would have loved to have been in that family, but that wasn't me. I didn't have Eunice. I didn't have Lois. I didn't have that in my family. What do you think I would say to you at this point? Start one. Start one. You be, you be Emma. You be Lois. You be the one that started in your family. I, I understand not everybody grew up with that kind of a background. I know a lot of people didn't grow up with it. it. It wasn't the five generations of anybody that could do anything together. I get that. But you can change it. You can pass on the unhypocritical, the without wax faith to your kids, and they can pass it on, and you can start it. One little boy was asked why he believed in God, and he said, I don't know, I guess it just runs in the family. It kind of does. It kind of can. My favorite quote, Mother's Day, I quote it every year on Mother's Day, is an old Scottish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. An ounce of you, Mom. I mean, we love teaching your kids. We love having them here. I love that they're in the service today with us, all that kind of stuff. They're going to learn a little bit, but they're going to live with you, and they're going to see your faith. And if it's a without wax, unhypocritical faith, they're going to recognize that. Now, how do you do that? Well, it starts with the Word of God. I mean, we learn this in 2 Timothy 3, that Paul's mom taught him the Word of God, even as a young boy. Listen to this. For as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. 
and how from infancy, you learned it from Lois and, and Eunice, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. From infancy. Paul says, Lois and Eunice taught the holy scriptures to you. Don't forget them. Okay, that's how it starts. Again, it's great. Get your kids in Kids Connection. Get them in the, in the, in the Sunday school programs and get them in all these things that we have going on here. But that's just a couple hours a week. It's up to you. And you could serve together. I'm really excited for uh, one of my neighbors and small group families who is uh, taking their kids on a missions trip this summer. They're doing the Mexico missions trip together. And we took our kids on a lot of those trips, and those changed their lives. If you were here two weeks ago, you saw the Pardo family in a video talking about how they get together every once in a while on a weekend and just fill up the communion cups together. You don't know it, but they do it as a family, and, and I think that's incredible. First Corinthians, Stephanus and his family were the first to become Christians in Greece, and they are spending their lives helping and serving Christians everywhere. That's how you pass on an unhypocritical faith. You serve together and that brings you into joy. Acts 16, the Philippian jailer's whole family was filled with joy because they'd come to believe in God. It doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away. It doesn't mean that your kids are going to turn out perfect. There's no guarantee of that. But your job, moms, is to pass on an unhypocritical faith. Dads, yours as well. One mom wrote these words at the funeral of her 24-year-old daughter. She said, my husband and I stood hand in hand by her casket and knew at this moment in a parent's life that nothing is as important as the time spent leading a child to know and love and serve the living God. If you are ever called upon to look upon the still-formed body which once housed the precious child of yours, you will know in that moment that there is nothing more important for a parent than to influence your child for Christ. Now, some of you are thinking, well, no, that's great. I'm not a mom. What am I supposed to do? If you're single, if you're divorced, never married, whatever, there's, I know there's a lot of you out there. First thing I would say is don't discount the relations that you already have. There weren't very many people listed in the Bible, if you think about it. I mean, over the course of human history, the people that were around at the very beginning, there were hundreds of them, and only a few names got in the Bible, and Lois's name got in the Bible. Why? Because she was, a, a, she was an extemporaneous person in Timothy's life that helped pass on the faith to him because she was that important. There are people all, you can, be a, you can be a Lois, you can be a Eunice, you can pass on the faith to people around you. I love the D group leaders that my girls have had growing up in the youth group in this church. They had somebody that they could go to, somebody they could talk to, Tarn and Kelly and a bunch of those ladies that, that speak into their life and are doing it right now. You can be that person. And the second thing I would tell you is your family is not your family. When you become a believer, you're a part of the large family of believers. Galatians says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those in the family of believers. We're in a family of believers. Now this is a pretty big family here, so what do we ask you to do? We ask you to get in a smaller family and get in a small group and get hooked up. Ladies, I know some of you are in a spiritual mismatch. Your husband's not here. Your husband doesn't believe. He doesn't want to be in a small group, whatever. We have women's small groups that are starting in two weeks. We're going to have, a, a, there's something in your bulletin. We're going to have a get together with the ladies and we're going to start them. And one of the books that one of the ladies groups is going to do is Surviving a Spiritual Mismatch by Lee Strobel and his wife Leslie. Uh, you know, he was an atheist and she was a believer and, she's, and they, they wrote a book about that. There's a, there's a way for you to be together, a way for you to be working on this together. All right, so we got tenderness, we got spirituality. Then this next verse, well, I'm going to skip verse 6. I'll come back to that. Verse 7, we get to a very, very famous verse that some of you have heard many times and there are three things we're going to pick out of this really quick. First one is inner confidence, power. Listen to this. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. It takes power to be a mom. 
Milton Berle said, if evolution is true, why do moms still only have two hands? It's a good question. Moms need strength. What kind of strength? Strength that comes from God. You know you don't mess with mom, right? Somebody sent me this picture. This dog finds this little baby squirrel, okay? And he starts playing with it. And mom's up in the tree. You can tell that mom squirrel's not very happy. So she attacks this gigantic dog. Watch this. Here's a couple pictures. And she's just chewing on him, okay? She's going all over him. And I'll go to this one. She gets the baby, and she's up in the tree. And look at the look on the dog's face, man. He's like, did I just get thrashed by a squirrel? What the heck happened to me? I'll tell you what happened. You mess with mom. Don't mess with mom. That's not the way it's going to work. But I know that moms, you're, you're here today and you're tired and you're, you're needing strength. Let me, tell, let me point out something from this verse. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but God gives us a spirit of power. Isaiah 40 says, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Maybe you get breakfast in bed today. Maybe you get dinner out. Maybe you get a brunch, whatever. Every other day you need inner strength to pass on inner strength to your children so that they can grow up and be who God wanted them to be. Where does that come from? Not from your own power. From him who never rests who is never weary, from him who is able to enable you. God gave it, not your power. And God knows all about your job, okay? Whenever your children are out of control, take comfort from the thought that even God's, in God's omnipotence, he still had children that were messed up. I mean, think about it. After creating heaven and earth, God created Adam and Eve. And the first thing he said was, don't. Don't what, Adam said. Don't eat the forbidden fruit, God said. Forbidden fruit, we have forbidden fruit. Hey, Eve, we have forbidden fruit. No way, yes way. Do not eat the fruit, God said. Why? Because I'm your father and I said so, God replied, wondering why he hadn't stopped after making the elephants. A few minutes later, God saw the children having an apple break and he was mad. Didn't I tell you not to eat the fruit, God? The first parent asked. Uh-huh, Adam said. Then why did you, replied the father. I don't know, said Eve. She started it, Adam said. Did not, did too, did not. Having had it with the two of them, God's punishment was that Adam and Eve should have children of their own. That's how the whole thing worked. That's how it started, okay? So you need power that comes from God. He understands what you're going through. Then it says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and a spirit of love, okay? Again, moms, I mean, it's, it's about passing on love to your kids. If your kids are going to love like God wants them to, you've got to give that to them. My mom was ridiculously unselfish in her love. You know, you pass the tray with a fried chicken around and she'd eat the neck. You know, I mean, that's, that's the kind of mom she was. And you probably had that too. Always getting the cold food. You know, and they say behind every great man is a great woman. It might be mom, okay? That may be what you're there for is to be behind your kid. Somebody wrote this mother's version of 1 Corinthians 13. I thought it was really good. I can read bedtime stories till the cow jumps over the moon, but if I don't have love... I'm as annoying as a ringing phone. I can chase a naked toddler through the house while cooking dinner and listening to voicemail. I can fix the best cookies and Kool-Aid in the neighborhood. I can tell a sick child's temperature with one touch of my finger, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Love is patient while watching and praying by the front window when it's 30 minutes past curfew. Love is kind when my teen says I hate you. Love doesn't envy the neighbor's swimming pool or their brand new minivan, but trust the Lord to provide. Love doesn't brag when other parents share their disappointments or insecurities. And love rejoices when other families succeed. 
Love doesn't boast, even when I've multitasked all day and my husband can't do more than one thing at a time. Love is not rude when, I spouse, when my spouse innocently asks, what have you done today? Love doesn't immediately seek glory when we see talent in our children, but encourages them to get training and make wise choices. It's not easily angered when my 15-year-old acts like the world revolves around him. It is not self-righteous when I remind my 17-year-old that he's going 83 in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. Love doesn't give up hope. It always protects our children's self-esteem and spirit, even while doling out the discipline. It always trusts God to protect our children when we cannot. It always perseveres through the blue nail polish and the burps and the bodily functions and the rolled eyes and the crossed arms and the messy rooms and the sleepovers. Love never fails. But where there are memories of diaper changes and painful labor, they will fade away. Where there is talking back, it will eventually cease. Where there is a teenager who thinks he knows everything, there will one day be an adult who knows you did your best. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love. And then there's one more in there, discipline. Discipline, self-discipline. Moms who get the jobs done, mom who is speaking in Eunice, speaking into Timothy's life, who got the job done, was a mom of self-discipline. And they are moms who pass on the discipline to their children. They teach their children to have discipline in their own lives. Jim Stafford once asked, Daddy, how far is kingdom come and how hard would Mama have to slap to send me there? <laughs> Those were the good old days, okay? And a lot of moms don't understand this, and we don't slap them the kingdom come, but if you don't have discipline in your life, you're not going to pass it on to your kids. And if your kids don't have discipline in their lives, they're going to end up in trouble. I don't know what's happened to our world. I mean, it's happen it happens to all of us. Our kids come home at 6 o'clock. They're supposed to be home at 6 for supper, and they don't get there, and there's not really a good reason, and we just go microwave their food for them and bring it to them and take care of them, and they get in trouble in school, and we go to the school, and we argue in their defense, and we try to get them out of it, and we're always watching out for them. They forget to do their science project. When's the last time you saw a science fair project that was actually done by a kid, right? When did we switch roles? Hey, you kids, turn the TV down so I can get your homework done. What, what's going on with us? That's not parenting. That's craziness. We've we got to pass on the spirit of power and love and self-discipline to our children. Nancy Davis wrote, The advice that children need to try and fail with supportive behind, parents behind them is hard to take. We want to spare them from their failures, big and small, which we have experienced. We, we, we see them looming on the horizons. And we've been told a hundred times that children learn from their mistakes, but we want a child, our children to never make mistakes because they might get hurt in the process. She simply sums it up by saying, we've got to stop running after the bus. John Roseman said the ultimate purpose of raising children is to help them out of our lives and into successful lives of their own. Timothy's mom, and I'll show you this in just a second, Timothy's mom taught him how to have tenderness, how to have authentic spirituality, how to have power in his life, how to have love in his life, and how to have self-discipline in his life. We were supposed to be in Nashville this week for a pastor thing, uh, actually supposed to be staying at the Opryland Hotel. Um, if you heard about the, the stuff that went on in Nashville, this is a picture of the Opryland Hotel so we didn't stay there. We ended up staying in a different place. little tidbit for you. There was a rainforest cafe in there uh, with tanks of fish. And, of course, during the flood, they got exploded. And there were piranhas <laughs> loose. <laughs> so the rescue workers were a little hesitant getting into the water, okay? 
Um, but you need to pray for Pete. Nat, Rachel was fine. My daughter is 23. She lives down there. She's fine. We, we flew over the flooding. We have to see it. I really want you to be praying for them down there because it is devastating. But it was so good to be with our daughter. It was so weird when Denise and I were just with her for a couple of, you know, a couple of days and, and came back home. It was so hard to leave her. She's 23. She's been out of our house for five years. It's not like, you know, and it's not like we don't see her. She's going to be up here in a couple of weekends. But it was hard to leave her. And Denise and I were looking at each other like, what, was, what is that all about? And I guess as I've talked to some other parents along the way, maybe it doesn't ever get any easier, you know? At some point we realized that she's out of our life and into a life of her own. And, and, and we've done our job and we've let her go. And, and those are the things that are supposed to happen. Our middle daughter, Lauren, who's a student at Wheaton, is going to Guatemala all summer, working in an orphanage. I, I, I mean, we're nervous about that. We're, we're, not, we're not really excited that she's going to be gone. We'd rather have her here. But, but we're helping her out of our life and into a life of her own. And that's what Eunice did for Timothy. That's what's supposed to happen. Children of uh, Ephesians says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. If mom and dad do a good job and you kids obey mom and dad, then your life is going to be better because you're going to have learned tenderness and spirituality and power and love and discipline in your life. And that's going to come from your parents. Ladies of young children, please understand, this time is going to go very, very rapidly. This is your calling. This is your job. Now, the proof of the fact that I know that Eunice did a good job is in verse 6. It's the verse that I skipped. For this reason, Paul said, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. The gift of God is in all of us. Timothy had a special gift of God to be a leader in the first church, and the elders had prayed over him and laid hands on him. But what did Paul say? He said, I remind you to fan into flame. What he's saying is, Timothy, I've done my job as your mentor. Your mom's done her job as the mom. Your grandma's done her job as grandma. It's time for you to be on your own. It's time for you to feed yourself. It's time for you to fan into flame. Parents, we have the opportunity. We can fan into flame the gift that God gives our children, or we can extinguish it. But at one point or another, we have to help them out of our lives and into lives of their own. And then they're on their own. They've got to go figure out how to do the rest of their lives. That's how the thing works. And John wrote, I have no greater love, no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Transparent tenderness, authentic spirituality, inner confidence, unselfish love, godly discipline. It's a tough order, ladies. Irma Bombat said it takes three sets of hands, three pairs of eyes, and 180 movable parts to be a mom. For the rest of us, let us not forget. Let us honor our moms today as the Lord commanded us to do. Honor your mom. Thank God for your mom. And then thank your mom if she's still around and your wife if she's a mom. Mothers, take heart today. The Lord did not give us a spirit of timidity, but one of power and love and self-discipline. I was reading in Isaiah 40 yesterday just on my own and I ran across this verse. The sovereign Lord comes with power. Don't forget He's got the power. But He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms. Just imagine God as the great shepherd. I mean, lots of Scripture for that, right? And He carries them close to His heart. And then I caught this one. I hadn't really noticed it. He gently leads those who have young. There's something just a little bit more special between the relationship of God and parents of young kids. Something that He wants to pass on to us. So, we're going to ask Him for His blessing. I want to close this with a prayer 
and I hope to be able to include everybody in this category today to be able to pray for you and ask God's power and his shepherding over our lives. Let's pray. Lord, you're the one who made us and you have compassion for us. And you know the real us. It's really dumb when we try to hide ourselves from you and put wax over our problems. I just pray that you'll help us to have sincere faith, help us to really know you and really love you and not try to cover up so that you can really love the real me. I know that when you see the real me, even though I've got lots of cracks, you see beauty and wonder. I know that when you see me with all of my sins, you see your son who died for me because he lives in me. And you don't see my sin. You see the forgiveness that Jesus brought for me. Lord, there are many today who need your encouragement. Life pulls us down. It discourages us. And we want to lift up mothers today, Lord. We want you to encourage them, to put your courage inside all of them, inside each and every one of them. Lord, there are lots of different categories. I want to pray for the moms of young kids today who feel overwhelmed by diapers and pacifiers and feedings and no sleep. I want to pray for the young couples who feel stressed in their marriage because of this stage in their life. I want to ask that you would give them encouragement. Lord, I pray for the moms of, of teenagers and, and college students who are sometimes scared to let go, unsure how to work in this point of their life. Lord, calm the hearts of worried moms here today, whether they're worried about what might happen or what their kids have done or the house or the job or whatever. Help them to cast their cares upon you because you care for them. Lord, I pray for the moms whose parenting is largely behind them because their kids are grown and that you would help them to understand that they did an awesome job and help them to stay away from guilt today about all the things that they didn't do because we know that you're ultimately in charge. Lord, for those who are estranged from their children for whatever reason, we pray for them and we pray that reconciliation will happen. For those who have suffered the loss of a child here today, Lord, I know Mother's Day is hard for them and I want to pray for them. Lord, we have moms who are serving in the armed forces and we have moms whose kids are serving in the armed forces and we want to pray for them. For those whose children are far away, Lord, make your comfort real to us. Be our shepherd. God, we pray for the moms of special needs kids who you somehow chose to be uh, the, the person that could bless a child that is not going to be as easy. Lord, we pray for those who have adopted children who made a special place in their hearts for children that somebody else maybe didn't want. We pray for our single moms today, Lord. I know how hard it must be for them, and I pray for them that you will give them all of these things, these strengths that you can, the power that only can come from you. We pray for those who are financially in trouble, who struggle to put food on the table. We pray for those in every land who suffer through disease and, and rampant drug abuse and, and depression and financial instability. We pray for the moms whose hearts are breaking because their children are running away from you, Lord. Help them to remember that your children ran away from you too and that you understand. We pray for moms who need to forgive in order to move forward. Maybe they need to forgive a husband. Maybe they need to forgive a parent. Maybe they need to forgive a child. I pray that you will help bring forgiveness into their life. Lord, I pray for those who long for a husband and don't have one, for those women here who uh, maybe they had one and, and he's gone, he's not in their life uh, for whatever reason. I pray that you will comfort them. And then I pray that you will watch over them and be the spiritual leader in their homes. We pray for those whose Mother's Day is an awful day, Lord. They feel hurt by their moms or they were never given the blessing of having children. They long to be mothers and those arms are still empty today. I pray for them. Lord, we thank you for our moms. We thank you for the way that they have provided nurture and guidance and love and care 
tenderness, spiritual example, power, love, self-discipline. We thank you for those things that have happened. Whether they happened well or not, whether we have a relationship with them that's good or not, Lord, we honor them and we thank you for them. And we ask that you would bless them, dear God. Help each one here today know and love you today and draw near to you through Jesus Christ. And bless our moms. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.